What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of Bike, the podcast. It's a podcast for people that like bikes. Anyways, I know it's been a little bit of time since I posted the placeholder uh, before the first episode came out, and I appreciate your patience, but it takes a little while to learn how to do all this and get interviews scheduled and edit and such. That being said, I'm super excited to get this first episode uploaded. My guest on this episode is somebody that uh, some of you may know of already. Uh, his name's Kevin Grimes. He has a YouTube channel called Steady Spin, uh, and he's been hammering away the YouTube game for the better part of five years, working with a bunch of different other content creators on their channels as well. Uh, he's also a trail builder, a mountain bike coach, a beer sales rep, uh, and all kinds of other side hustles you'll learn about here on this podcast. Anyways, I hope you enjoy it. Go ahead and subscribe, like, hit notifications. I don't know actually what you can do on a podcast. Oh, rate it five stars for sure. Uh, and make sure to comment down below who you'd like to hear on the podcast uh, in future episodes. I have quite a few uh, interviews lined up that I'm going to be looking forward to, and I hope you all are also. Without any further hesitation, here's episode 00000001 of Bike, the podcast with my friend Kevin Grimes, a.k.a. Steady Spin. I'm pouring chocolate-covered nuts in my mouth while I look at you. <laughs> I know. It's getting really awkward over here. So uh, let's see how this works out. This is um, Bike, the podcast. I'm your host, Ben. This is episode 00000001. I'm going to make that many episodes, so be prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, lucky enough on this first episode to have my buddy Kevin, Steady Spin Grimes, sit down with me and kind of be the guinea pig to see how this podcast stuff goes. So, uh, yeah, how's it going, Kevin? What you drinking, buddy? Not drinking yet, but I have a mouthful of chocolate nuts. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that and now we're making eye contact. <laughs> yes, we are. This is, you know, it's <laughs> awkward. Maybe we made a lot of awkward eye contact yeah. over the years. This one is, uh, this is a special one. Very you kind of, you're like matching one. glasses, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. it's even creepier. Absolutely. Because you're like looking, like looking at yourself in a weird way. When's the last time you got your hair cut? It's looking awfully good, buddy. Actually, I got my, um. Oh, I'm gonna wash this down. This beer right here's for me. Yeah, this beer's okay. for you. Sorry, guys. I thought I was gonna eat those nuts a lot faster, but I just sat and enjoyed them. Well, sometimes you have to savor the moment. I mean, if you got them in your mouth, just just embrace it. The, the eye contact, you know, yeah. just make it happen. Just so, um, it happen. yeah. So, dude, you uh, let's see, you ride bikes. Um, you create content on YouTube. You're an MTB coach, a trail builder. Mm -hmm. What am I missing? Um, I also know how to do um, wheel refinishing and painting. Huh. Like if you got curb rash on your car, I can make it look like it wasn't there. Um, I also have some service industry experience with like craft beer management, GM thing, um, some other sales background. I actually um, really enjoy doing valet. Valet is another little skill set in there, which, which means like you do valet and people hand you their keys you go park it and then you run back. That's yeah. So I know how to do that. Interesting. How, uh, how many times do you have, have you have you valet parked cars? Um, I feel like it was only one time. I had moved back to Atlanta, and I just didn't want to do what I was doing, which was the bar scene. And I was like, I'm just gonna get whatever job I can get. And like, I didn't really need the job. I just need like the structure of the job. And uh, I did that for like six months, I think, in hmm. Buckhead. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh, yeah, stay in good shape, run around. Did you make a bunch of money? How were the tips? I'm guessing it's like an hourly plus tips kind of thing. It's like an hourly plus tip share thing. So like you'd have to be in like a really good crew of like 
people that were sharing the tip share of the situation. And like, I just never, I don't know, maybe I'm just always suspect. I'm like a paranoid guy that like nobody was ever really putting their fair share in. Or maybe I'm just being negative. I could be being negative or suspect or might be paranoid. I don't know. I'd call it what you want to. Skimming that tip pool, huh? I feel like it's it's an interesting thing about the tip pool. Like I've worked with people and done tip pooling sometimes and it worked out really well. And you can tell everybody's on the level. Uh, But when you have characters that are not on the level, um, you question it. But a good business to run, though, if you have a valet business now, that was my mindset was I was working at a valet at the time. But now if I change my mindset and thinking about like, per se, owning a valet or valet service and people work for me, that's a pretty good gig because yeah. you have a contracts with the hotels and stuff like that. And that's more where my mindset now is, like, I guess, matured time passing on, though. You you want to you want to have the people parking the cars for you, yeah yeah. You want to slide in there with the right setup and the uh, the procedure to take over the valet service and provide that service at the hotel rather than be somebody that works there. I feel like that's probably like a a long game transition of my mindset that's changed yeah. over the last you know fifteen years. But yeah, absolutely, work smarter not harder, right? Yeah, definitely. Or something like that's what that's. I don't know. I'm still working pretty hard. Um, so clearly, I'm not very smart, but that's okay. What else would I say is a skill set that I have that I haven't thought of? You said I think you listed off all the other ones. I think you know about the wheel repair one. Uh, International man of mystery. Yeah, for sure. Did some moving around. I've lived in Atlanta originally. Then I moved to Dallas, Texas, actually Arlington, which is in between Dallas and Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then from there, I moved to Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Stayed there for eight years and then moved to Georgia for a year and then moved up to North Carolina. And, like, I just love it here, though. Like, I feel you should always live either at the beach or in the mountains. Yeah. And anywhere in between is cutting yourself short. So yeah, yeah, man, life's short. Enjoy where you live, right? Yeah, why waste you know, it? Can, you know, it's it's been a hundred times over. I could have gone somewhere and made more money, but Asheville's just such a damn good place to be. With all the outdoor opportunities. So. I feel like definitely this time passes on. I think everybody's looking at it like there's a sweet spot in this big town, small city feel, and I feel like Asheville's still there. Yeah, and yeah. You know, it grows, but every town that's worth living in does. I feel like you know those growing pains hit people's. Yeah. Some people a little harder than others. Mm-hmm. I just don't care as long as, you know, there's trails and rivers and rocks to climb and stuff, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I just want to always really be in an area where you feel like people that you interact with still have a genuine connection. And I think there's probably like some population purge point where you lose that. Yeah. yeah. Where there's just too many people you're interacting with on a daily basis. Like you're too close to the, the core yeah. um, to give a shit. Yeah. I don't like those people. <laughs> I don't like those areas. <laughs> just, just, just give, give none, none about it at that point. So yeah. all this moving around, actually, I didn't know you had lived in, in, in Texas. I knew you were born in Georgia, but um, through all that moving and stuff, when did you start riding? I know you rode BMX, you've done some road biking. What, what came first and what got you into bikes? So I had a friend uh, named Ray Walker. Now I feel like he lives in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah, I, I, I've seen him in our Facebook friends and, you know, situation. He's got two kids and a beautiful wife. They've been together since we were, they were like 16 or 17. Um, and he, I was already kind of into BMX bikes and riding them. I was already kind of like gravitated. Like I remember a 20-inch red Huffy I had and I like had replaced the rear tire a couple times. After that, I got a racing BMX and I did that when I was like 14 or 15. 
And then I dropped it because I got a license and there's a lot of other cool stuff going on. It seems to be a common theme when people turn 16 and get their driver's license. Same thing happened to me. I was, I was very much into bikes until I uh, got a car and, you know, then I still skated a little bit, but that was about it. Not, not too much on the bike scene for a while. So then I went through a period of time of having my license and then not having my license and then having my license and then not having my license. And then in one of these times of not having my license, a buddy of mine named Nick Boss was into BMX and he like gave me some parts and I pieced some stuff together and I started riding and I could, I could do some basic tricks, but I still liked it. I still enjoyed being on the bike in a way that like, you know, when you're passionate about bikes it's, or passionate about anything, you can't really explain the reason why it doesn't bother you doing that activity. Yeah. You could just do that activity all day long. And it, and it just, you don't think about it. And, um, and that's the kind of passion I, I have for bikes. So then I rode a BMX and I took the BMX with me to Texas, did some street riding a little bit, but I didn't know anybody. I went there long enough to like get my, get in deep and really meet some of the other people that were there. I was working a lot. Um, and then when I went to Florida is when I really like really, really popped off. And that's where I got into it. Like all my racing stuff where I got there and I had to be a max bike. And, um, this is actually where I uh, originally met, um, Seth from Burn Peak. We met on a Wednesday night, uh, group ride. So every Wednesday, Wednesday night, just like 10, 15 people would meet up and you'd ride 10, I don't know, 10, 10 miles around town. And I was riding a BMX bike. And then my boss at the time got me into a single speed. And once I got into the single speed bike, it was just a matter of time before I got a road bike. And within a year, I was racing and competing. And now I've raced and competed and ridden pretty much every single bike you could name. Like, you could try me. Like, name a style bike. Penny Farthing. Oh, I've ridden five or six of them. (laughs) I've ridden a Penny (laughs) Farthing. I've ridden a Penny Farthing roughly... I think I've ridden one 12 miles on a group ride. <laughs> There's actually a race with those things that I saw the other day. It looks terrifying. What? I think that the, the, the one. The penny farthing. Some, I, uh, I cannot remember the name or location. It was just something, you know, just doom scrolling through YouTube that I saw. Okay. So what? So did you realize that the penny farthing is a fixed gear bike? Oh, yeah. So um, that amount of weight, like so a regular fixed bike, a fixed gear bike is roughly like a skinny or tire. It's like pretty much a 29 or like a mountain bike, but it's yeah. got a little tire on a thin rim. Um, so the size of the wheel is the size of the bike for you. So like, I think we're about the same size, right? Yeah. yeah. So like we would ride a 54 inch wheel. Jesus Christ. That's the measurement they went with. So, because <laughs> that was kind of like your inseam weird overlap thing. You know, bike measuring is always weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's all personal preference, yeah. really. I'm um, glad they've gone to the reach thing now versus the 15, 17, 19, 21. You know, it's such a, the proportion between a seat tube length versus everything else, you know, is always a little bit weird. I'm kind of glad they went to reach. How long do you think it's going to be before they put proper length dropper posts on bikes? Oh man, that's a bold, <laughs> that's a bold question. I had a medium transition spire that had too short of a dropper mm-hmm. post, and now I've got a size large spur that has too long of a dropper post for me. So I'm getting a shorter dropper post to put on it. It makes my seat height about ten mils too high. So I think I saw that the other day. The collar's all the way slammed down to the frame. <laughs> yeah. So when uh, I ride it, I uh, I pop the seat up and then I just sit on it just a little bit to drop it down on the railing. I've, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's with your seat pressure dropper. It's it's too long. That's different. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's really weird because weird. you know the medium had too short of a post. It was yeah, I always you know the collar was about four inches above the actual seat tube, and I could never quite get the seat out of the way for a bike like a Spire. You know where you yeah. really want to have it out of the way. Um, uh, the spur, I don't care if it's still four inches up off the top tube. I don't care, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I think they got they got to get some they got to figure out that spread that needs to happen, and that's one like ongoing conversation I hear people say like. You know why? Why is it the wrong size? But they also did that change. I guess it was like 2019 where they changed geometry, and the geometry went to like everything, pretty much like sized up in a way. Yeah. Where like everything that was an extra large is now a large. Yeah. And now it's the standard of how a bike should feel. Yeah, it was about then when I got back into riding after the long hiatus from a, a, a massive injury. But um, yeah, that's I got onto a trek. Uh, what was I think? It was a Remedy 27.5 front and rear. Full suspension. I got onto one of those, and my buddy was like, I kept wanting to get on a medium and wanting to get on a medium. My buddy's like, try a large. And I was like, well, that's absurd. You know, I got on the large and was so much faster. <laughs> it was like, I was kind of shocked. But I'd been out of the game for about, you know, eight or ten years at that point, so I didn't know what was going on. I needed somebody to tell me. So, um, Yeah, Ricky, actually, our, our buddy Ricky. Oh, Ricky. Ricky. Um, Shout out. Yeah, big Ricky. Make some more kids, Ricky. Yeah, Ricky, you can't spell his name right. It's not allowed. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ricky got the Nomad, and then he had 27-25 Nomad. That was a 2017, right? And that was before the geometry changed. Then we switched him up and got him a 29er front fork and wheel, and he said he PR'd every trail. I feel like I missed out so long by not having a 29er. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I got one. Last last year, I got my first twenty nine er. I think yeah, it's his last summer, right around there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, he's loving it. He's mulleted his and loving it. Yeah, never going back. So speaking of speaking of Seth, real quick, uh, looking back at your YouTube channel, um, you had a video from like eight years ago. It was a road racing video. So uh, mm-hmm. then it was like a three ish year hiatus, and then about five years ago, you're just in a cave with Seth. So y'all met on a weekly group ride in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what kind of ride was it? Was it just like a town ride? Was it you know a so kind of pace ride or more chill ride, like no drop situation? So if you would consider a ride all the way to the point where you would call it a social ride. Yeah. Social ride means that anybody on any bike can come do the ride. Yeah, kind of like our mountain haulers ride here in town. I haven't done it yet, yeah, it's but imagine it being flat. Yeah. So now everybody can go on the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like, let flat fool you. Those headwinds will beat you to death quicker than a hill will. But <laughs> social wise, in between the little back roads going through yeah. neighborhoods and stuff, man, we started that group ride and it was like, I, I look back and it was like probably the golden years of like existence in the bike scene where yeah. I found out, the, I found these people. I went on this. So I, I was working doing the wheel repair at a place. This guy named, this guy named Ricardo, um, he he's into minis. He has like these touring things with mini cars. It's his jam. It always has been. It was actually at a BMW that I met him, and he was like, "You got to come out on this social ride." Because I had brought my BMX bike in the back of my work truck, and I was like riding it in the parking lot on my break. You know what I mean? And he was like, "You got to go. You got to got to go." So I went on the ride, and I was on a BMX bike. And okay, so honest opinion, one to ten skill set on a BMX bike, average for a person that rides BMX. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, definitely entertaining for the average person. 
to watch me ride like at a park or ride street enough. Like I could grind stuff. I could throw threes. I could fake you out. I could, um, you know, I could do tire grabs enough, enough to be entertaining. Yeah. Seth rode a little 20, a uh, little bit of 20 inches. Well, so right? yeah. that's how I met Seth is they oh, were like, okay. we're waiting. I kept on going and he was waiting on a, uh, the inspire trials bike to come in, to come out on the ride. So, I waited like three weeks to meet him. And then once we met, we were just like friends. That's just how it went down. Um, so it started like 10 people. And I'm talking about no, nothing shy of just weird bike people. And I loved every single one of them. I met so many good people from this ride that I could like. There's uh, Ginger's, uh, if they ever hear this bike, cast, bike podcast. And uh, it's a bar in Wilton Manor's. Uh, that opened up. I actually worked for them at one point. Uh, it's Elmo and Zoe. Actually, Zoe's bar. Elmo doesn't work there anymore. I'm not, he, I think he's running some Uber, like works at Napa or whatever. Just some super, like, I would say one of the only people that I've met that I would really call eccentric. Eccentric? Yeah. Is that the Ex- word? Eccentric? Eccentric. Eccentric, yeah. Uh, he, but, like, <laughs> he's still great. Like, I actually bought a bike from him, and then I didn't want to get rid of it. It was the old-timer. It was a fixed gear uh, bike, a leader freestyle frame that I built yeah, up. Yeah. And he happened to be coming through town. And instead of, I was like, look, I don't want to sell this bike to anybody. So when he passed me in town, I met up with him and just gave him the bike back. Yeah. You know, it was like that kind of community down there, mm-hmm. like uh, of people. Um, yeah. And that ride, actually, a little bit of advertising. Imagine a Wednesday night social ride that was like, you know, eight to 10 people, people riding around, doing whatever they're doing, being adults. Mm-hmm. So I will label that everything being reasonable and you would go about 10, 12 miles and halfway in the middle, you would stop at a convenience store. And like, sometimes it was a nice CVS. Sometimes it was a janky Seven Eleven. Sometimes it was on the store on the corner where somebody stayed and watched everybody's bikes while you went inside. <laughs> but that was the name of the game. Like we really were part of the community. We knew yeah. all the neighborhoods. Um, and that ride at one point ended up being like 150 people on a Wednesday night came to ride beach cruisers, BMX bikes. We had the kids coming out doing wheelies on the BK Rippers. like, And it was just this random thing we're doing that, that socially was created just like by the social, I guess, organic growth of it. Like some dude was a screen printer. One dude printed flyers. Um, people always did a route. People ran the Facebook page. Like, and it was, it was crazy. So I think, I don't know what it is now. I'm sure it died back down. You know what I mean? Everything's got its hype moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, down there you could go on a bike ride every night of the week, on a different a different style bike ride. Like roadie rides on the weekends. There are people riding fixed gears or single speeds, and like it was fifteen to twenty miles on certain nights. Um, some of the nights were faster. We'd end and get a burger afterwards, um, and you'd be like, "There's sprints throughout the ride." Like it was a magical, great time. Yeah, that's you know, I think about stuff like that, and that's kind of why I wanted to start this podcast. There's so many discipline specific podcasts out there, and mm-hmm. like you know, we're in your garage that you share with Colin from Cola right now. And I look around and there's 20 inch bikes in here. There's full suspension bikes some short travel bikes, e-bikes, all kinds of cool shit. And I kind of wanted to design this podcast around that feeling of bicycles and community. And you, you know, you walk into your garage and if you're lucky enough to have multiple bikes, you just decide which one you want to ride that day. And it's, uh, it's kind of neat. And those rides, those community rides are just awesome for that. You get to meet a lot of cool people and, where people come from and how they got to where they are now and, and what they like in bikes are definitely a lot of eccentric people out there for sure. That round there, I've, I've, I've met some of the most wild people in my life on bicycle rides and it's yeah. really interesting. Great people, great yeah. oh, people, yeah. but yeah, like absolutely. they definitely uh, 
do better in a smaller format interaction with yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Most people that are really super into bikes are... They're weird. I'm weird. Yeah, yeah 100%. Weird. 100%. Well, like, uh, yeah. like, you know what? I've been I've been working on a pump track behind my uh, my place for, what, like two years? Yeah. And yeah, just, it's looking great, by the way. And, and just yeah. rode it for the first time last yeah. week. Like, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, but you know, it's a labor of love, and that's, that's what bikes do to you. And either you really get into them or you really don't. I don't know anybody that, like, has a bike and rides it occasionally. They either don't own a bike. Or they, at this point, maybe own multiple, or, or they're kind of bicycle-centric, or it's really super supplemental to their other outdoor activities, or just for fitness or whatever. So, We live in it. One of the big differences I see in this area is that there's not as much of a social scene. So when we were, when I was in Florida, it was, it was called Critical Mass, and it's actually the last mm-hmm. Friday of every month you get together, bike awareness. And I think a lot of it stemmed from that, and because there were so many transient people down there. They were looking for stuff and you would see this traffic of people and it was South Florida and you could stay like tan and fit. And, like you could really almost roll in a bikini or a bathing suit year round. Yeah. Uh, and here, I think it's a little less inviting by the layout, but there's also not as many people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is a barrier to entry on, on riding around here as far as that goes with mm-hmm. all the hills and stuff like that. You know, there's, I've been in towns like Flagstaff, Arizona, which is like a mountain town, but it's a town in the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's all pretty much flat. But then you come to Asheville, and it's like a town in the mountains, but it's on a freaking mountain. So, like, either way, you're going uphill or downhill. Like, unless you're on the Greenway, you know. I, I think you, you nailed it pretty good there. Uh, it looks – I mean, it is. You're always up or down here. There's not – like, I was just thinking in my head about flat areas. Like, <laughs> yeah. the flat areas are the areas that have been developed, and there's buildings there. Yeah. Yeah, you've got, like – Everything drains here. The, the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got, like, the Greenway or even, you know, a you know, really popular um, road cycling route is the one out to, like, Marshall and back. But even in that – the elevation, elevation change isn't that great. Like you, you lump some miles in, but it's, it's not a lot of elevation. It's, I think that it's, uh, there's some grades that are real steep. So it's not like distance like other places. Like if you traveled 20 miles here, now are we talking 20 miles on the highway or 20 miles off the highway? Oh, yeah. Big difference. Because <laughs> yeah. you, uh, for people that don't live in like more of a rural area, sometimes like, and I'm a fast driver and I, and I enjoy breaking the speed limit i don't know if i enjoy it i just feel like that's how fast i should drive mm-hmm. but um sometimes you get behind you know old grandma or somebody you know what i'm saying and they're driving 45 in an area that you used to drive in 60 in and sometimes you're just stuck behind them so once you get off the highway you're you never know what's going to happen uh and some of the hills are steep enough on the highway here that people just aren't prepared and they fluctuate speed just because there's a hill by we're doing 80 now they're doing 60 oh yeah yeah especially like driving up to beach mountain or somewhere up to 21 mm-hmm. and you get people from out of town that have maybe ever you know never seen mountains or something you know and, and it's a whole different experience from you know being in houston with all the grids or whatever and you come here and it's like oh you say well it's only 14 miles and you realize it's gonna take 35 minutes you know and yep whoever you get behind is what you're doing for a while you yeah know? and no passing areas no <laughs> like there's literally where we live there's yeah. like it's tight enough that you can't there's not really passing areas like you would you would need a much more powerful car and a bigger opening to pass them in like yeah my, my tacoma is not quite gonna get it sometimes. well i mean yeah. sometimes i put the premium fuel in that that rav4 hybrid Uh-oh. and i get like 220 horsepower <laughs> yeah dude i mean you yeah, got I forgot 300 you in yours don't I do. you i do yeah i've got the 3.5 for sure I think it cranks yeah. out right around 300 horsepower. Yeah, I kind of you know, coming off of the Tahoe. Like, I, I kind of understand like why people like Tacomas. They're just, they're just, they feel solid, man. For as it's much plastic as in them, they feel solid. They ride like a truck. 
You know, it's uh, it's kind of nice actually. I th- I think it's great, and I've had I bought my Tacoma brand new, and I got one hundred fifty thousand miles on it, and I just had to change the battery in it. And literally, like, you do all the services and diffs, especially when it's 4 by 4 What I didn't realize yeah. is that even if you don't use your 4 by 4 stuff, those gears are still moving. Oh, yeah. No matter what. Yep. So that was uh, a new lesson for me in the 4 by 4 game when I got my Tacoma. But I put mine through some some good times. <laughs> I've seen some of the uh, – remember seeing those pictures or uh, or maybe they're Instagram reels or something of yours that – from TTC when it rained a bunch when you were building out the course when you were with Squirrely Dave at Go Nuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were building that out with some mud and maybe that big rock truck might have pulled you out at some point. Yeah, so <laughs> I decided I was going to save some money and I got some tires that were more like mid-sized truck tires. Yeah. The Tacoma is not really considered a mid-sized truck tire. Like, I mean, it is a mid-sized truck, but the, the way the truck is set up is not meant for like anything close to what like a, a mid-size SUV tire would be. Yeah. So I definitely put those tires on that way. There were street tires and it did really well. Until on, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it did really well. Like I climbed up some stuff and through some areas, like dig the tire and let it do its thing. And then I got into this area where it was a little bit of mud and it was just enough to make all the tires slick. And then my truck was literally stuck in mud that didn't cover your shoe. <laughs> And then, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a fuck around and find out, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but besides that, it's it's held up really. It held up amazing. Like you wouldn't believe what I did before that point, and then it happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah like just, you know, randomly. It was the saddest yeah. thing ever. So that, after that, that dirt, I always though, put knobby tires on. That there. dirt though uh, at TTC, especially on those those road cuts, that is some slick clay. Like it's it's gnarly when you pop out on one of those at the end of a stage. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, there's clay roads they cut in, and they're driving them in by, like, no actual grading. They're just driving it in with these like, military-grade 6x6 truck, dump truck things. And uh, that was a cool place, though. That's, that was, um, that was the, I believe that was the second place that Nico dug out after. No, he was digging there and then went to Bailey. Yeah. That yep, backstory. Yep. He was there after Windrock, right? No, no, he was there before Windrock. Was he? Yep. Oh, yeah, because he cut in from the top where that vacant lot was. Well, that vacant lot is now this guy, Troy Roberts. Huh. Hey, Troy. Um, what up, Troy? What's up, Troy? <laughs> uh, from his property, they did a big build-up from there. He's big in the motor. He also does the motor thing. He was also the guy that connected us with me and Dave with uh, the Endura. We put on the rake and ride at the farm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm telling you, the trails there that, that uh, he had put us on were great. And if they would have gave a little bit more effort in that area, I feel like that could have been like, did you end up going to that one? No, that was one of a missed. I actually, you know, oddly enough, uh, you and I had met briefly, but your oh. channel is actually what got me into the Go Nuts racing series. Oh. You did a video maybe three years ago. You decided to enter an enduro and it was a Go Nuts one. And I was watching your video and I was like, well, this looks like fun. And I had bumped into Squirrely Dave before. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, your video is what got me to, and that's how Team Shitbags, all of us met, um, was through that actually. So yeah, I was glad you made that video, or I might not have ever jumped into that series. So you know, raced it for two years, caught most of them. There were a couple that were a little far out of reach, you know, seven hour drives or something to work. Uh, kind of got in the way of it, but I missed the farm, and I don't know if I actually missed the farm. <laughs> so the thing was, is if it wouldn't have rained, like every event. Yeah. If it wasn't well, rains. Well, go nuts rains. Huh? Go nuts rains. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it just happened. So like if it yeah. wouldn't have rained, it wouldn't have been as bad. It was going to be difficult. Yeah. I'm just telling you, it was going to be yeah. difficult. It, it right? looked, it looked steep. And when it looks steep on a, on a GoPro, it's steep. Yeah. But at the end of the day, man, we've both hiked a bike. We've pushed, we've ridden, we've been the slowest person. We've been the fastest of the person. And I feel like a lot of the hardcore people, that was actually the last event I did with Kate yeah. and go nuts. And I actually made that entire course rake and ride with a leaf blower going down the mountain taping. And it took me like a month. Yeah. Like Jesus. cutting, like really yeah. making it happen. And, uh, that was a great event. I wish they would made an up trail. They actually had an open cut. It was where a pipeline was at. Huh. So instead of a power line, there's a pipeline. And you actually could ride down it. Riding up, it was a little too steep. And that was going to be the final stage, like the balls out when we're like, yeah. you start at the top and the timer's there, right? And I, the, the idea was that it was going to cut. Like imagine a power line cut, right? Yeah. So there's somewhat of a trail. And I was just going to raw, get him to raw cut one in like moto style. Yep. And the sensors at the top, and then the sensors at the bottom. Yeah, just bomb it, straight line it. And you could, but this is enough of like a power line thing where if you would have hit one of those little breaks, yeah, that you would have went 35, 40 feet out before you oh, would have wow. touched down again. Like it yeah. would have like a couple spots. Yeah. Like it would have been, if you would have hit the bomb that transition, you would have just like, you would have just been splattered. You'd have had a bunch of angry moms yelling at you for that one. Yeah, um, but <laughs> if that ever came back, that would be amazing. I would love to see some video, if somebody had some video of the yeah. farm because. Yeah. I was able to cut in and make trails like rock garden to rock garden and made some areas where like you would be, you know, m- you know, fuck around and find out. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, that was it. And you could have yeah. done it. Some of them were bad lines yeah, and some of them were good lines. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the hardcore people really, really, really enjoyed what was presented that yeah. day. And I wish I could do more of that. Like that's where my trail building once I, cause I stopped trail building and then went to work for Dave and I feel like that is what I would love to see more of. And I think Nico does do that stuff as well as Dave is like, especially like at somewhere like TTC, he went through yeah. there and did a bunch of work in the community over there. It's probably the strongest community following that I've seen around any of the downhill racing is in that area, the yeah. Chattanooga area. And he makes some raw stuff and like it's eye opening to me when I would follow behind and see tracks and see stuff he built there. You know, he, he was thinking huge early yeah. on. Nico yeah. was like he like from uh, just this whole southeast area. He was building huge, like compared to other stuff. TTC was there's still features there. They're like, oh, oh man, <laughs> like yeah. these are yeah. rake and ride moto burned in things that like you know. I feel like one of the ones uh, we'll I'll call it stage one of the downhill. I think they, he ran part of this trail. There's like a wood features and there's a rock where you fly off a rock. And you're probably going 30 feet out yeah, and 15 to 20 foot down. That's insane. And you're landing in a giant rut. And you know what's on the other side of this hill? Probably a rock garden. A, a rock garden. There's a rock <laughs> garden. You have to bounce up these big is slabs. It, is it off camber also? Um, it's kind of, it's weird because like you're coming down and downhill will be to your right. And the rock slab, the rock garden is kind of like tilted to the left. And then you got to like pop up and there's a flat area and then like this other little rock drop. So he, yeah. it was this rad building, rad, very, inspira- very inspiring style of like race building yeah. feature, naturalness without using, not having it like a giant machine impact on it. Like yeah. we all love a still trail that feels raw that a machine hasn't been down. Yeah. And you know, I think, you know, it's interesting with Nico's building style because a lot of, I think the average mountain bikers, where people that even spend days at the park at beach or, or sugar or wherever, 
you know, they don't understand what a World Cup track is like. And I feel like if you go ride Rock Creek or you go ride Canuga, all the off-camber Rudy stuff, all that kind of stuff, you understand it's it's a World Cup racer building that. And you, it kind of gives you a little perspective on what what they're used to riding on. And there's a couple of times I've, you know, dropped in behind Nico and I was like, hell yeah, this is going to be awesome. And it's like three seconds and I never see him until the bottom. And it's pretty wild to see that, man. It's when, when you get to that level, just it's a different perspective. I think you have a different capacity of being able to like process and see and everything else and the understanding of the bikes. And, you know, just like going into his framework stuff, I think, uh, you know, he's had a vision all along in, in downhill racing. It's pretty cool to watch it all play out. Like, um, sure. I think if you want a, a real experience of downhill mountain biking and you had to go to one park, I would say you go get with Sean Leader, you go to Windrock, and you're going to get an, a downhill experience Yeah, that's going to make you want to wear your real full face. It's going to yep. make you want to wear your real pads. You're going to want to wear your chest protector. You're going to want to have cush core. You're going to want to have your gloves on. You're going to have your glasses. Like, If you're looking for the experience in the southeast, head over to Windrock and see how you get measured up because everybody gets broke off at Windrock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, we rode there. There was a guy named Joey that built the first trail there probably in like 2000. Uh, and he used to ride an intense M1, if I remember correctly. He was like in his middle 40s. And there was one trail there, and you actually used to self-shuttle it. And that was my prior experience at Windrock. Now, really, nobody there's not a lot of people that ride that trail. It's super steep. It's absurdly steep. There's still a name for it now. It's just not one of the more popular trails. But then they opened up like the windmill area up above that and started building into it. But um, it has always been the gnarliest shit around. You know, I think like some of the stuff at TTC is kind of like a baby wind rock as far as the rock gardens go and drops into rock gardens and all Still kinds cool of, though. yeah, just, Oh man, I love TTC. Runs. That was always my, one of my favorite, favorite races every year, man. I loved it. I kind of excelled at that one just cause you know, we're in Pisgah. I like Bennett gap and stuff like that. Ooh. Some of my favorite trails. So, you know, you ride that enough. TTC is not the end of the world, you know, but <laughs> how long do you think it's going to be before Bennett either gets rerouted or labeled a, a, uh, Double black diamond. I uh, I don't think they'll ever reroute Bennett, Daniel, or Farlow. I think they're kind of some of those trails that uh, I don't. Know, I think they're too much legacy on them. You know, those are those are you know like black and all that stuff was super cool. I get it. Avery's super cool, and you know, Pisgah is always going to be Pisgah, and it's always going to do what it does to a trail. Uh, very evidence like Avery, everybody was upset about that and everything. But, you know, it's kind of taken it back. Avery's gotten rowdy over the last couple of years after all that work. Um, you know, the stuff that Shrimper did is starting to beat in really well. Some rocks are popping up. Some roots are popping up. It's starting to get less flow. But um, I don't I don't know that they're ever going to do anything to Bennett, man. You can't. That's just, I mean, that trail is. Is there room? I've been riding that trail since like 1998, dude. And Has it, it is, gotten worse or better? I, that's perspective. I, it's gotten worse, which has made it better. You know, <laughs> when does it change trail ratings? Oh Why man, I think I is think is it a black now? No, I think the there's is like the Carsonite Carsonite wand at the beginning at the gate. I think is actually still a blue because I call it a Pisgah blue. It is, which if you go to like Kitsuma, they call that a black, which I think is a blue even when you're out it from the top. Kitsuma is a black. That's what they say. Is that on That's Trail a, Forks? Yeah. Where's your phone? I'm show, sure, show me I'm, that I'm, Kitsuma's I don't even know considered a black trail. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they call Kitsuma black because I got in an argument with some people around a fire pit one night and I 
told him I was going to prove it to him and ride my gravel bike down it, so I did. So I rode my Salsa Fargo down it. Yeah, you totally could. Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it'll ever mess up in it, man. That trail is, I don't think he could reroute it. Um, you know, and I think it's great that they're doing Buttercat and all that because you have so much uphill hiking traffic from the fish hatchery and everything. And that downhill is just a blister when you let it rip on that thing. And, on butter? You know, yeah. When you, it's like a miniature Bennett. Yeah. Almost but, a tighter butter, Bennett. Yeah, Buttercat is, that's, that's a, I love that loop, man. Especially there's a trail called Wormhole, I think is maybe the name of it. I don't know, but I'm sure it's on trail forks and stuff, but there's a little trail. You can connect on that. Just this, this old raw, like hand cut off camber Rudy thing that's a lot of fun to ride to kind of link all that stuff up but um yeah buttercat reroute i think is gonna it's gonna be a safer trail it's gonna be a more fun trail and they're shutting down the old route to bikes and making it hiking only so hopefully like by proxy that'll make the hikers take that trail so they don't have to worry about bikes so that we can and i think it's adding like a mile and a quarter or something mile and a half of downhill like i'm not gonna argue about more downhill you know nice nice change is saying it's only gonna be hikers because after you know that high volume down the trail. The trail's pretty blown out, really. Yeah. yeah. So like being a hiking trail doesn't make a difference. Yeah. And hiking standards are way different than any other trail. And Cat Gap is the one the second part, right? With the little um the little drops, the log drops mm-hmm. and the gaps you can hit. Yeah. So that I think is what's gonna end up being hiking only coming up that because they're routing the other side of the valley or the other side of the creek, I think, is where the mountain bike trail's gonna pop out. So would you say that cat is like a warm up for Bennett? Ooh, bold, bold. I would say maybe it's just not as long, but there are those gaps, those little log gaps. Yeah, that the yeah. Are there. There's there's lots of opportunity for getting in trouble and going way too big on those uh, those water bar gaps and stuff. There's so many of them that you can hit and just you scare the crap out of yourself. Drop an extra three feet. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next like, thing oh. you know, you're like you're bar humping 14 feet through the air and getting ready to land on top of a log and yeah, you know, but. It's uh yeah I don't know man I would I would say the uh I don't know man I'd say the best warm up for for Bennett would be like maybe like a high speed run down the upper part of Avery or maybe Daniel Ridge would be a good option for it to kind of get into into Bennett I think you know I think Bennett some people get on that trail and don't understand the severity of that trail um it's definitely no, there's no way Bennett it's, is a, it, it's a black trail already isn't it oh Bennett it's Bennett would be a double black at a bike that, park okay so I'm for saying sure like, so maybe that's what I was saying before is like Bennett is a black now and yeah. really probably it's probably almost like a double black because that rock yeah. garden is like you can roll everything yeah but like the, the devil's staircase you can flop over there it's tough some Man, of the places you have to get off yeah you go into that big rock garden i mean so think about You're coming in. into it you've got the staircase where you can take the local line on the left or you can go down the stairs and make the hard, hard turn line. then you have some rocky jank but you're then in a little it. uphill part then you that little overlook spot um where the rattlesnakes hang out oh, yeah. uh and then you drop in at that point to that before you come into the big rock garden um, where the other two trails come up, I can't something Creek and, uh, coon tree or whatever comes oh, up from the right. Coon There's tree. that intersection. That's a good trail. That trail's a good one to rip down, but you know, it's over so quick. I'll just stick a bit. Um, but I think with that rock garden, you know, before that rock garden, even you have high consequence on that ledge There's a high line and a low line on that ledge. And if you go off that ledge to the right, before I mean, the it's, actual it's, drop, it's 15 feet into a bunch of rhododendrons and rocks. Like it's oh, a yeah. sheer drop. I don't know. It's <laughs> Before that like, rock garden, then you have the three lines through rock garden. You've got the small yeah. drop on the left, big drop center line, 
And you've got the sneak line. I'm throwing up air quotes for those that can't see, which is everybody because we're not filming this. But um, even that right line is super technical. Like, you know, it's not easy to get in that line. And once you get in it, you have to be confident in just letting off the brakes and looking at the bottom of the rollout and calling it good. The uh, I went with, uh, I got a buddy, uh, Alex, and he lined me up with his friend Nate. Me and Nate went and rode it and shuttled it. Uh, you're not supposed to shuttle in Pisgah. Me and Nate went and shuttled it. <laughs> and uh, we came to that rock drop route, and he just looked at it. He said, all right. Yeah. And just dropped the middle of it. And I was like, he made it look really good. He's a really good rider. Yeah. Um, but yeah. still, that middle drop is still pretty decent because of the runout. I feel like the runout was better. Like, what if, what if, with you right, yeah. if in between those trees, there's like an actual smooth runout of like laid rock or dirt? Yeah. I yeah. feel like that would be a really wicked feature yeah. and, you to know, pull for. Every time I look at that drop, I'm like, well, it's totally doable. You know, it's got a relatively, I feel like you slam pretty hard on the landing no matter what because it is a little bit uphill but then you think about the guys that went in and did that work a couple of years back to actually to where you could get into that stuff because it had gotten so eroded i mean they basically did all that by hand really no tools or anything they were just carrying rocks up the hillside and putting them there and patting them down and kind of armoring a trail enough to get into all three of those options and it definitely improved that rock garden a lot but you know the the coolest thing i think about bennett is that you've got three very distinct trails you've got the top section with all the rock gardens and the stair step rocks and all that then you've got a little hike-a-bike thing, and then you've got the water bar section, which is just rowdy, 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 rowdy. Super rowdy. And then it stops again. And I think that's maybe actually where a coon tree comes in. I can't remember. I get kind of confused on it. At that intersection, coon then, tree cuts But then the from there down, all the way back to the road, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the lower black almost. It's just wide open, single track. Hey, that's um, better. Rocky, ribbony shit, and it's so fast and so good. Yeah, um, we should go out there and try to give some hand one day if we ever have some time because yeah. the improvements they've done on Lower Bennett have been huge. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, I feel like with just they, you know, it's man hours. You yeah. know what I mean. I, yeah. I was blown away too when I found out that all trail maintenance was done by volunteers only, unless a trail company is hired to come in. Yeah. So like, before anybody goes to complain about trail quality, yeah. You better go do some volunteer hours. Yeah, hike your ass in there with a bunch of tools. With a tool. Do <laughs> it. See what that's like. And like, it definitely, uh, yeah, definitely reminds yeah. me to bite my tongue on how much volunteer work I do. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, sure I'm leaving a pump track for somebody to find one day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be your legacy. It's going to be my legacy. A pump track behind Twelve Bones South. <laughs> oh, you're broadcasting it to everybody you're gonna walk up to a pump track party one day i'm just saying when they have live music at the pump track dude okay so yeah. what we're talking about is i pirately made a pump track behind 12 bones south okay guys and <laughs> i'm gonna bring up the conversation i'm gonna see if when we end this podcast that if ben wants to go try a lap on the pump track i'm wearing my good modello tank top bro Bro, it's you don't have to go that fast. There's no jumps. You just pump it around, <laughs> and we can get a lap time put up. And you could be my first lap time. Oh damn! For the rack. damn. No helmet wearing chacos. I'll do it too. I mean, I'll only do after you like. You know how they you do. Gotta, uh, what, what are those? those uh, are those like croc? Are those Crocs that look like Burks? These are Burks, motherfucker. These are Burks, but they're like plastic mm. Burks, rubber mm. Burks. So, <laughs> you're link, you're linked in with the bike shop in Louisville now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who are your sponsors yeah. right now? You're with Box. So uh, you were with um, uh, the clothing company, Flow Life. Uh, Flow Life. Pat. Charlotte. Yeah. Yep. And you had some stuff with Maxis, and you're with a show in, or with a shop in Louisville. How do you get so looped middle, in with those guys and some Rob? 
Yeah, Handsome Rob connected me with Middletown Cycling Responsive. That's where I got my Yeti. That's why you see some videos coming from there. Uh, anytime you guys call in there, just mention my name. Uh, steady spin, they'll give you a discount on whatever you're buying. Super helpful. And they actually got my dream bike. I have a full-on race bike. And Ben, you witnessed to my old bike, to my new bike, how much faster am I? Yeah, it's significantly. Significantly. So that's the... <laughs> We're looking at it right now. It's uh, like an army green. Is that an SB150? That is the SB150. 29 front and rear. You were on a Bronson 27 mm-hmm. front and rear before. Um, and do, you, do you like the Switch Infinity better than VPP? 100%. I'll yeah. tell you right now. I don't, yeah. lock, I don't touch any of my switches. Yeah. I feel like, uh, okay, without going too far into the idea of suspension and what it's supposed to be, I have my suspension set up the way that I like it. Yep. And that means that I can leave my suspension open 100% of the time yep. and ride my bike uphill, downhill, mm. side hill, diagonal hill, whatever. Yeah. And it's exactly the way I want it. And that's the way I like to ride my bike. So I don't use the climb switches. And yeah. I think the Infinity Link made that even more possible because of how good it works. Like I yeah. never feel like yeah. I have a suspension yeah. in a good way. Yeah. 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 But, you know, that's, you know, I was, I was, that was on a mega tower before for two years and then went over to a transition spire and really didn't like it. So now I'm back on a mega tower because I like that VPP feel. And a lot of people say it's like, oh, it feels dead. And I'm like, well, good. Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> really. Like, that's kind of what I like. But I'm not a jumper. You're a jumper. You're a damn good jumper. You like to have your bike. I'm, I'm a planted plow kind of guy. You're a jumper. Um, you know, so I'm sure our suspension is drastically different as far as, you know, like token numbers, stiffness, anything like that. But I'm not a switch flipper either, man. I feel like anytime I flip a switch, I forget to flip that bitch back, you know, like I'm just, I get halfway down a a lap at Canuga with my shit locked out. And I was like, well, that's why that feels weird. And And now my shock's destroyed (laughs) because I cased every jump all the way down. You do that (laughs) even if your suspension isn't locked out then. True. 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 When yeah. are you gonna? When do you think you're yeah. gonna get back the confidence to jumping? Because I've seen some old pictures where, like, yeah, uh, you used to like pull your pants on by yourself, you know, socks and shoes, <laughs> yeah, dude, you brush your teeth and stuff. Yeah, now, man, like, you know, the I, jump game. It's it's interesting having gone through a couple of really severe injuries, but uh, ooh, what about the, would, you? Tell the Beach like Mountain story. I can't believe I was actually oh, there geez. for you. That like, yeah, that was almost a year ago today. Uh, goofing off and. Uh, what was it, Wizard of Oz weekend up there, something like something. that, and the lift was stopping and going, and uh, what well, was me, you, and and uh, Tyler hopping on the lift, and the lift stopped and started real quick, and we slammed down on my foot and separated my foot from my leg, basically. So that one still hurts when I wake up in the morning and walk down the stairs. It's getting a lot better. I've been using a balance board and stuff like that to, to try to work on it. Just riding more is getting the strength back, but that sucked for a while. Yeah, so we were talking about um, getting smashed on a lift. Um, a yeah, yeah, smashing. yeah. So people in the lift game, so the lift will go up and down, and the terriblest timing, we went up and down at a real slack point in between the lift, so the chair went all the went up, and when it came down, the thing that held up the entire lift with me, Ben, and Tyler was his foot with the bar below us that you put your feet on. Yeah. And I don't know how your ankle got there, but... I mean, technically, you should be dangling feet at that point, but we came yeah. crashing down, and, and that was, uh, I mean, you can imagine the weight and momentum of the lift was on Ben's foot, and I was also on Ben's foot, and if I, by myself, would have been on Ben's foot, he would have been unhappy. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, so basically, we were getting ready to pick our feet up, and it lunged forward when they restarted it, 
and that's what kind of caught my foot under it and it just folded it over until he went off the lift and you know i did try to ride down uh that was you know not the best idea i've probably ever made in my life but neither was you know getting on the lift like that i haven't gotten on there a 200 times in my life yeah yeah you know, this is a very this, freak situation where it like, was a freak situation yeah. and people are like oh well you should sue him i'm like i don't have money to sue anybody also i mean we we're kind of cutting up we weren't being very with it um at that point uh, i feel like what the injury if i was to be somewhere that had an injury at a commercial facility we were plenty in the realm of the fact that we were there to do something. We'd been there many times. This wasn't our first time on the lift. Yeah. And you would have had a really good argument. And strangely enough, when it happened, I was actually looking at your foot, watching it happen yeah. in real time. And I was like, yo, your foot's going to be fucked up. You yeah. know, like I knew yeah. in the moment. Yeah. So like, I don't, I feel like you're cutting them a little slack. And I feel like also when they have those days, they got to be more mindful of people. But you know what? The reason why they're doing that is because there was old people having trouble getting on and off the lift. Well, you know, and I think so. what Beach Mountain should do, A, is raise their lift up a little bit off that damn platform. Because that thing, it should have enough room for somebody's foot to go under there Definitely. without it catching it. But also, close the bike park when you have Wizard of Oz weekend. Fair like, bike, fair, I mean, fair that enough. thing, what, you pay $50 or whatever, and you get like four laps in because the thing stops literally every 10 seconds. What date? We can look up the date and see how many runs you got in. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> that was that that five date was is, our second run. That was our second run when that happened. I think I went with Alex not long ago. I got like five runs in. Yeah, yeah. Slowest lift on earth. I like it. I like the park better than I like Sugar. Uh, but I like the lift at Sugar better than I like. When does Beach Mountain close? I think second weekend of October. So we would be going for closing weekend. Yeah, and they start kind of knocking berms down and stuff before that. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. legit, they do. I've been there on the last weekend, and like the berms, like out on the open when you come down the center line over those rocks, and there's that big berm uh, on that blue line or whatever. They usually start knocking that thing down and stuff, so it's not out on the open slope, causing a bunch of. It's weird. Yeah. So this would be yeah the second weekend. You know what though? That's the weekend we're going. Uh, delayed Fat Boy birthday party. I don't know, what were we talking about before that? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to, what are you going to, you know, I, I watch your YouTube channel at Dig It because I don't know what I'm going to get. You've gone back to kind of <laughs> like, you've got, you, well, you, you've got a lot of variety. You've got the RC thing going. Um, you've got uh, like some POV riding stuff. We played a game of no breaks. Um, you had a bunch of racing stuff. Like, are you using that creative opportunity to just kind of do whatever the hell you want to do on your YouTube channel and be like this? This is what the hell I'm doing. I feel like I got a good, healthy dose of social media. Yeah. Like doing it for myself and then working in the industry that I'm kind of content on it. And I'm feeling about, I think the new content will be um, some of the trail building on the pump track, some time yeah. lapses, uh, kind of mindless stuff like that. And then I've been thinking about transferring that into some type of like, now that I'm into sales again, I really love it. And, um, I might create some kind of uh, content related around sales and uh, customer qualifying and services provided. And I mean, that's that's what I, I look at the most on YouTube now. So am I trying to mimic the thing that I'm looking yeah. at I mean, content? Maybe. Do I feel like I bring some value to the industry of ways to do things or work ethic? I feel like if there was an ending goal in the content in my mind right now, I would like to bring a really strong work ethic back to the table of an expectation of working hard uh, and getting ahead. Like, yeah. And uh, Ben and I are both in the beer industry now. 
Or Ben's really he's like he's gonna probably live in his truck down by the river now. <laughs> you know but, what? It might be a little better option. You know, hangs in there. But uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of scooting by order takers, and I feel like there's room for people to come in and really work hard and do things and be and be proud of what they do and, yeah. and be to own that like to have a skill set that you really know that you work hard. There's nobody gonna outwork you. Yeah, and that's probably at. I don't know how I'm going to get that into content. I'm going to do more remote control car content and more trail building content yeah. and pump track content before I do that. But long-term, or not be long-term, at some point, again, random content, what are you going to get from me? Yeah. You never yeah. know. I, man, I dig it. Like, some, you know, you were doing the truck camping thing for a while, and you're like, yeah. hey, I don't know, hotels are cool. And then... They <laughs> are. Whatever. Yeah, man. They I'm, are. I'll be 48 this year. I, I, I'll camp when the weather's nice or something like that, but the minute it starts raining or it's too hot, it's well, hotel for this guy all day. Because you have but the now, six like, I carry as much shit in the back of my truck on a car campus as I am if I'm going on vacation for a month. Like, it's full. That's weird. So, look, check this out. Here's the bed that goes in the back of your truck. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> you should try this thing out. It's modular. It folds up in three pieces, and you got a full memory foam mattress that yeah. they fucking be on. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not using it because, again, there's these things called hotels. And yeah. now oh, I'm yeah. married. Um, yeah. And now my wife. Uh, would never do the truck camping, and I love my wife, Maddie. I love you, but that's not really the life we live now like we did six or seven years ago. Yeah, dude. You know, and I feel like especially if you're if you're taking the PTO and putting the money into going somewhere to ride for a vacation, you know, I feel like you really want to be fresh in the morning. You don't want to crawl out with your back hurting and your hips hurting because your air mattress died or what the fuck ever you know, happen in the middle of the night where you can't maximize the time on the bike or hiking or climbing or whatever the hell you're doing on that vacation. Um, so yeah, good night's rest is, is, is super important. You know, it also, you know, mitigates opportunities for injury when you're, you know, fully with it, you know, that I, being said, I feel like every race I've ever done, I've been either drinking or hung over or still camping. drinking <laughs> yeah, yeah. and camping, um, sleeping in vans, whatever. There were a couple of uh, Brock and I got, Oh man, I can't remember. It might have been a TTC race. We got a a, a Super Eight mm-hmm. motel, and it was TTC. It was TTC, and we had had a uh, the room was like clearly a smoking room. Uh, it stank. Like we kept the door open as long as we could and felt safe. So like the, it was it was so gnarly that I slept in my sleeping bag on top of the bed, and there was no shower curtain. So I talked to the front desk. I was like, "Y'all, I was like, hey, there's not a, a shower curtain in, in our in our room." And they're like, "Okay." And then that was kind of it. They never brought us one, <laughs> so we just showered with no shower curtain. There was just water everywhere. Uh, it was pretty brutal. That was one of the rowdiest hotels I've stayed in a long time for sure. But that that was definitely TTC because there's not a whole lot around there unless you want to go to chat, you know, and yeah. get a room there. But yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting. So, so I feel like. And not knocking anybody that doesn't have the money to do the racing, this, that, and the other. Oh, but yeah. did you go stay in a hotel? Because at the time, I feel like I had the money, but I was still being like budget friendly. You know what I mean? And yeah. it was a fun experience. Um, so financially, yeah, okay. If you couldn't afford to get a hotel, would you plan out your experiences and put that charge like on a credit card, just so you could stay in a hotel? At this point, let's put yourself back to where we were before, right? Yeah, if you yeah. Didn't have the money, and we were in yeah. a non-money position. I think, you know, uh, I think there's some camaraderie in camping, 
you know, uh, when the weather's good, you know, like October, November, December in the south, absolutely camping's fine. The weather's pretty stable. It's not yep. going to rain a whole ton. It's going to be nice, crisp air, good mornings and stuff like that. But you get there in the summer when it's just sweating and shit or, not you know, you're just, yeah, not interested, dude. I would, I would, I would, I would credit card it with whatever credit card gives me the best rewards for using it and just get a room for a couple nights and pay it off over a few months, you know. But, you know, racing's interesting. Part of the reason I don't, kind of got out of it is uh that I don't, man it's just it's expensive man especially if you go do one of these enduros at a park you're paying for a lift pass for two days for practice day and race day you know you're paying your 100 or 110 dollars for entry fee and all that stuff and you know even if you podium which you know you and i and uh, most of the shitbag team is podium quite a bit like it's like a team you know, shitbag like shout team out shitbag shout out uh, None of us are actually work out on a regular basis, yeah. and we just wing it and have a good time. So if you're ever in the races and you see the boys, come have a beer. Yeah, yeah, come have a beer. We probably, <laughs> we, we definitely have them. That is for sure. Someone's gonna be carrying them. <laughs> yeah. Now, so it's uh, but it's interesting because you know, the, like you know, there's, you know, not that I ever had any grand delusions of being a professional rider or anything like that. But man, you put all that time and effort, practice runs. You know, I'd get there on Thursdays, you know, practice Friday and Saturday, race on Sunday or whatever, and. You put all that time and effort in there, and then you perform well, and you feel really good about it, and you get, like, a tire that doesn't fit your bike. You know? mm, <laughs> like, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, but, you know, and, and again, you know, I will say the Go Nuts Racing Series, the couple of years I did, has brought me some of the best bicycle friends of my entire life, just yeah. friends in general. A uh, very tight-knit group of people. Squirrely Dave's amazing. His staff he has is always amazing. The work that, that dude puts in that race series, just going and participating in one of those events is such an awesome community and i'd just gotten back into riding for the most part when i started racing those so like i was looking for people to ride with now i've got friends you know i can ride with in alabama and chattanooga and georgia wherever else i mean you know most of the you know most of the guys that i ride with now is how, that's how i met them was from that series and they just happen to live up here so um if, if people don't race i encourage them you know to jump into a race here and there uh in whatever discipline you prefer to ride and like gravel racing is something i'm going to try out probably this fall or early next spring um stuff like that just because the racing community is just really fun um and you get to meet a lot of like-minded people so and i feel like there's different types of racing you know maybe like if um if we're talking about entry positioning in a racing i think xc is a good starter situation yeah. to get the idea of like being on the trail having some agenda being around other competitive people um but if you generally are a bike person, a lot of people veer to the enduro because there is that camaraderie. You're pedaling from stage to stage with each other. And I actually yeah. did Raccoon Mountain on an e-bike. And uh, I rode an SL, which felt great. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. enough power for me. Like, if I wanted an e-bike, this felt like the most natural. But when we were on the trail, compared to those turbos, those turbos got so much. How much more power is it? From I have SL no idea, turbo? but it's absolutely amazing. And, and Isn't it like yeah. a 500 to 750 difference of power output or something I've like that. only been on the SL once. I think that was maybe one that Dave had mm-hmm. that I rode out at, uh, I think I did a couple of laps on it at Jared's. I thought I was going to kick yeah. ass. And then once I saw everybody on their turbos and then just like come out of a corner and oh. just leave. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Oh, what the heck's this? Yeah. But I would have came in second place in amateur. Cause I entered the expert or whatever pro, whatever yeah. level up of the yeah. bike I was. Yeah. So I did still feel good about that on a half-powered e-bike. I still would have, I still would have won amateur from the one sandbacker. I can't remember that guy's name. You were at Raccoon Mountain and you sandbacked in the e-bike class. Cat up. 
he's a good oh. camaraderie. I rode with him all day, and we hung out and drank beers yeah. and stuff. So, oh man, he knows yeah. I'm just messing. He yeah. goes, I do one race a year, and then my kids see me win a medal, and it makes me feel amazing. And I was like, yeah. that's worth it. Yeah, I, dude, I raced amateur initially in the Go Not stuff until the first TTC race, and they took some stages out they took that really steep stage with the tree at the bottom with the sharp right down of the creek it wasn't that bad well you know what you pissed off parents man what are you gonna do um so the only way to race it was six stages that year was to race expert or pro and when i i think it was you and caleb and dave and uh, uh alec and everybody was like just bro just race expert and i was like all right cool so i bumped up uh, and I, actually, that's when I started podiuming. That the amateur class is so many sandbaggers. So I mean, you got people winning the amateurs, and this is not just this is not this is not a go nuts thing. This is just a racing thing. You get yes. the amateur class, and if you got people that would consistently place in the expert class, they, you need to force them bump. You know, force bump them, get them I, out of there. I like, like let amateurs be amateurs in competition. Okay, we got to get back to a standard. Is that if you do a race and you win your category, yeah, and you're in the beginner category, this is yeah. entry level to any sport level. Yeah. If you start a sport that's an individual sport and you win, you have to cat up and know that your skill set is higher than the other 10, 15 people that entered the same yeah. category on your first try. Yeah, you know, and you gotta, the amateur just, you gotta class, move up. It's for people to develop. Yeah, and you know, you have to have a starting point. There has to be point A. Has to be on any linear timeline of anything. So. You know, you got to start somewhere. So you dip your toes in there. And if you smash everybody in a, you know, a 12-minute enduro race by like two minutes, like, bro, you need to be an expert, you know? Yeah, yeah. You got to. You, um, you and that's the standard you know, we should hold and, for each other as, as yeah. individuals, people in the community, and have honest competition for people that yeah. want it. Yeah. And, yeah, just what different, what are you going to win? You're going to win a T-shirt. You're going to win bike wash. You're going to yeah. win a tire. Like, yeah. how about how about winning the fact that you know you entered the right category and the person that won amateur, the deserving person amateur, actually won that race? Yeah. The yeah. deserving amateur. Yeah, yeah. Not the person, yeah. guy Two or, minutes gal or, or whatever that should have been an expert. All but, you know, because people don't want to, but they don't want to cat up. And there was a guy when I started racing amateur that, like, literally – three or four races, the first three or four, like he would have podiumed an expert and was stayed in amateur the whole time. I'm like, man, there's like, I've, I've never done this before. Like, you know, I hadn't been on a bike effectively yeah, in 10 years, you know, like there's people that they just yeah. doesn't matter. You know, they, and uh, I was, I was hitting sevens and, and eights, you know, uh, place in amateur, sometimes like 11 mm-hmm. and, uh, ended up going into expert and like podium for the year. got quite a few podiums. Uh, throughout the year when I moved up to expert. Yeah. I was like, best decision I ever made. Old man I feel class. like the competition's more... Yeah, I was in 40 to 49 expert. Dude, old um, man class, I'm, I'm looking dude. forward to it, man. When I was in road I'm bike I'm not racing. racing. No, don't look forward to that. I guess Brock's going to be in it now. Don't do that. We just You're going to have to race Brock. No, he's going to have another kid. He ain't going nowhere. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for him, though. <laughs> Brock's super happy. Yeah, dude, dude's fast. He's got a great dude's, life. Dude is, dude is fast as shit. Um, I'm hoping... Uh, I actually reached out to Squirrely Dave. I think he's going to be on the podcast. He's one of the people in the lineup I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I love that guy. And I don't mean to sound disparaging at all to that racing series. It, it is it is one of the best racing series you can get yourself in that is fun and competitive and like within reach to most people that want to try racing. There's XC, there's e-bikes, there's Enduro. There's everything. He's dabbling into downhill now. Homeboy can throw a backflip. He can. He yeah, can throw a can, Fat Dave, 50-year-old Fat Dave. Throws Dude, it's 50-year-old uh, birthday this weekend. 
It is. Yeah, two-day affair. Yeah, two-day affair. I'm By gonna, 8 o'clock the first day, he's going to be drunk. That's he's going to be passed out. Yeah, he's going to be passed out. Slobbery. Let's check it out there. <laughs> oh, man, love that dude so much. Closing yeah, hopefully weekend, you get him Beach Mountain. Here, so. yeah. Listeners, Beach Mountain, closing weekend. Is he coming up for that? It's, yeah, I mean, it's his birthday party. No, like, it's, they're not going to be in Beach Mountain. No, I'm saying like we're gonna have a dude's birthday weekend too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? The the middle weekend, second weekend in October, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Dude's weekend. We're gonna do dude stuff and like eat Cheetos in a bean bag. <laughs> what? Did you say eat Cheetos on a bean bag? Mm-hmm. Oh sweet. All right. All right. Are, are, all, are we all on the bean bur- bean bag? Is it like? I'm just saying. Is this parkour? Is all that I, parkour? All I see is bean bag and Cheetos. Is that is that parkour? It, it depends on how far you take it, but yeah, it's <laughs> right there with it. So you, uh, man, rumor has it that you've been mumbling about getting a road bike again. Yeah, I was talking to the shop about it and committing to it, thinking about it. I'm also like reflecting on, do I have the time for another bike? I think I'm probably going to slide back into the DJ a little bit because I made the pump yeah. track. And like, yeah. when you ride the pump track later, you're going to see it super close and you're going to see like, how far it's come along to being something that's reasonable that you yeah. can do. You've got that polygon trid or do you have a, do you have a hardtail DJ as well? Probably good polygon trid, uh, yeah. slope style bike. Yeah. Anybody that wants to jump, you're an old man. Don't kid yourself. You need some rear suspension. We have backs. We got to do stuff. Yeah. I think my back out the other day playing disc golf. We're getting old. Yeah. So yeah, anybody that wants golf. to get into dirt jumping or trying to do some stuff like that, I suggest you try a slope style bike. Yeah. And my polygon has been amazing not sponsored by them. I don't rock the decals on the bike. It's painted all white. It's Betty White. Betty White on the street. Yeah, you got a uh, video of that, shooter. right? A paint it, stripping it down and painting all that kind of stuff. You had yeah. a, uh, didn't you get rid of a downhill bike you got for super cheap? Well, I got the downhill bike originally. And then it ripped Georgia your pants like, off of you on the tabletop at the bottom of Winter Rock. It's the one thing that people <laughs> know me for is this one time I was in a video <laughs> and my pants pulled down. But you know what's funny? about that situation like the people that come say something to me about that video right yeah. they have no idea that i just overshot a 25 foot jump it's a big jump by going 40 feet yeah. they, they they just they yeah. that's not what they want to talk about yeah but like if you go to winrock and you do the step up at the bottom imagine jumping far enough to land the flat bottom in the ditch on the left yeah and you're going to realize how far I sent the bike past the landing wide open and landed and like my pants got pulled down. You know what I mean? Like I was up <laughs> on the hill and like that it's huge. Like just imagine when people are struggling to clear the step up at Winrock in the parking lot, the final jump that I'm I, in that video, I overshot it by 20 feet. Yeah. That's what that's three, almost four bike links past yeah. where people yeah. are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's weird is people worry about like the the Red Bull drop there, but man, that tabletop breaks a bunch of people off. Right? Well, I guess it's more, it's more up, step up, it's yeah, a hip. yeah, it's step, it's up, like hip. step up, hip thing. It, yeah, hips to the right. Yep. Yeah. Couple general, years, but I it's think there. Yeah, general, but it's there. The uh, what was the, the gr gravity downhill grt grt? You know, they were skimming the inside of it because they were going so fast. Yeah. To make time. Yeah. So they were going so fast that they could cut the lip on the right side and skim the inside and not do the jump to yeah. clear the double after it. I still haven't cleared that double after. Yeah. And I'm too fat. That'll happen. You land and all of a sudden I just get over there. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? Step up that I can't ride. <laughs> Maddie needs to kick you out of the house more. 
She does. I, you know, I appreciate her for that. I have an amazing wife, and she's always like, look, you are a psycho, and because you're a psycho, you have to go out and be active because I don't want to deal with you if you don't get some of that energy out of you. And yeah, she, no complaints ever. About dig, digging the track doesn't count. She says that I'm not working hard enough when I'm trail building out there. That <sighs> I need to actually like go out and go for like, she says that I need to be gone for five to six hours of the day. It yeah. almost feels like she's cheating on me. What? She's like, get the fuck out of here. You know what she wants to do? She wants to sit around the house, do some laundry and knit and listen to mystery crime things, podcasts by herself. <laughs> that's cool. You know? that's, that's what she wants to do. You know, I, so, think like, there are, I think there are a lot of people out there that wish their partner would kick them out to go ride bikes. They, she, I think it's know, quite the opposite for the average population. I, I try to spoil her so much. So I think she tries to spoil me back. And to be in a relationship where you're both always trying to like be your best partner like are you being your best partner yeah like could you do more yeah could you be more understanding could you be more considerate could you be better at the role you play in the relationship Uh, participating in any relationship sales business life anything i feel like being the person that is being the best partner you can be yeah is the game yeah absolutely and then in any relationship or interaction they give back more when they see you're giving more yeah. So what do you want from the situation? You want the best from it. So more energy in 100%. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we're kind of coming to the end of the recording here. I don't know how long you're supposed to make a podcast. I don't think it's something like three hours, something like 20 minutes. I don't know. But. How long has it been? I don't know, like an hour and 10 minutes or something. Uh-huh. So what's uh what's next, man? What you got going on? Next. Plans? You're going to race some more? What you going to do? Uh, I was thinking about it. I think that right now I'm diving into like the work and the sales and the beer distribution thing pretty hard. And I feel like the next thing is I really have been toying with the idea of what type of biking can I do where it's still safe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get you. And I get you, man. <laughs> being a reckless person, uh, putting myself in an environment where the parameters are only so extreme is is the best yeah. choice for me. Yeah. Like it's the reason why I don't own a dirt bike. It's just not yeah. safe. So I feel like I would like to. I'm gonna dial this pump track in, and then every day after work, you're gonna see some content where I'm gonna do a couple laps and time it on the pump track, and that's yeah. gonna be future content. 4K, me getting out and just working some laps, mm-hmm. and like this is what I'm gonna do. And maybe I'll put the time on the screen of how long it was in the laps. And then I really wouldn't mind if they really boosted back some kind of dual slalom thing. Yeah. And move my attention to maybe seeking out some dual slalom competitions. Yeah. And God, I feel like it's hard to find dual slalom races these days, man. It is. There's It'd a couple be cool tracks if that format came, came back or four X even. Yeah, I don't uh I don't ride four Cane Creek anymore, but the components are great, people are great. Oh yeah. Uh there's a guy named Sam Locally that has some he does he does some uh, dirt jumps, pretty amazing. Shout out to him. Great work, very inspiring. Um, and there's the type of jumps where I think I'm a pretty good rider. Yeah. And I make it to what would be jump five. And it's just it's just, it's another level of committing doing dirt yeah. jumping when yeah. you have to jump five. Because five and six, once you get to six, it's just so big you can't even like it's just you're, you're. It's one of those things where like the only way you're gonna do it is if you're in the zone and you land every one of those jumps in a row and they're smooth. Yeah. And then you just go into six and say, "Here we are." Have I seen some footage of Colin from Colo out there? Is that, mm-hmm. is that what no? I'm it's a of? no no video policy. Interesting. I feel like the only video that I've ever seen of this place, uh, and they're really nice, and he's really adamant about it, saying this is what it's about. Like, 
Um, so I hope he doesn't mad that I'm giving him credit for his jerk jumps, like uh, and just talking about it versus no video. But I've only seen one person ever post video there, and it's not him. Yeah, yeah. So like, if that means anything, I guess one friend's getting away with showing some clips, but have not seen those jumps on video at all. And he, uh, but anyways, those guys are great, great componentry. Uh, I miss having the E wings on the bike. Uh, you have had Cane Creek rear shocks on pretty much every bike I've had, I especially for the coil. I love that Kitsuma coil, the toolless adjustment stuff like that. Love yeah. That. I'm waiting for him to come out with a big adjustable travel 38 mil stanchion enduro for. I would, I was looking at some deals on some E wings. I was looking for yeah. some, I found some used sets and whatnot. They're amazing though. Like, Incredible product. What do they do? One six five, one seven zero, one seven five. In those, is it mm-hmm. three sizes they do in those? Yeah, those uh, cranks are freaking cool. I feel like when yeah, you buy cool. them, it's just a crank. It's like it's like you know my i nine wheel set on my mega towers. Like I will take it off if I sell the mega tower. They don't stay. Yeah. I keep the old wheels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean that I can uh, not going anywhere. Yeah, it uh, the cranks are pretty amazing. I heard a story that Danny McIntyre. If you look on his bike and his bike that he rides, yeah. Um, he has them on there. He actually called them up and placed an order, and then they they like reached out to him and were like, "Yeah, we'll just give these to you." And they don't work with anybody really. Yeah. Like if you notice, they haven't signed any athletes. Like I was an influencer doing marketing on a product. But they haven't signed any athletes. Yeah. Um, and they've got some major athletes that work there. Like if you think that you are in the industry and you're also an incredible rider. Yeah. Some of the guys that work at Cane Creek are just any day of the week might look overweight, out of shape. He's about to burn you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Burn you on the yeah. trail. Yeah. And, and he's out there with like our friend Brock, like just amazing rider. So good stuff to say about those guys. Yeah. And you um, know, you kind of find that we're, we're kind of blessed to have a couple of boutique component manufacturers here with those guys and, and, and gals and uh, the folks over at I-9, like, you know, Clint will go out and ride like all night, late into the night. Like they'll ride these super dark rides and like to where when they're wrapping up these rides, they're making breakfast at the trailhead. Mm. You know, it's like, I mean, they get after it. Big long rides is pretty wild. Um, so in in kind of more safety minded opportunities for competition in mountain biking, you thought about uh, anything like doing like ORAM or these longer races. I know maybe you did Pisgah stage race or Pisgah Enduro, at least a day or two of that. I tried that and realized point. I yeah. was not strong enough and I didn't know how to mountain bike. <laughs> day one. How I long realized. did you do mountain biking when you did that? Oh, I mean, not long. Like I was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go try this Enduro thing. I like mountain yeah. biking. I was probably on an XC bike or something at yeah. the time. And I just didn't realize what 30 miles in Pisgah was like. Yeah. Oh, it's, This, this it's 30 a, miles in Pisgah is like not like... 30 miles somewhere else like you were gonna you're putting in the effort yeah um yeah the cold water race oh yeah those are was usually like right at 30 miles if you rode from the i can't remember which it's not sorba but their imba location down there um if you rode from there all the way up and then back down there was like right at 30 miles but you're climbing like 3,200 feet total or something throughout the whole thing. Five stages long. And that's the thing is know, like one day in 30 Pisgah, miles in Pisgah. It's, it's 30 miles in Pisgah is a long yeah. way. And the people that come to these races are the people that would enter the hard ass category of any yeah. race. Yeah. And they're putting in the miles they're putting in the climb. It's much more about fitness than skill set. There's usually a handful of people that are crushing it. that are just local yeah. psychos. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, no, no, uh, every line out there. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. But it's, it's, it's more about the fitness and you got to give it away to this guy. You know, you're, 
if something to be said when you come up here and if you're going to win the Pisgah Enduro, it's not like winning the Cold Mountain Enduro. Yeah. It's not the same thing. It's yeah, not no, like it's, winning the Enduro at Windrock. It's just different. Yeah. It's yeah. just real 30 miles of here's raw mountain. There's no flats. Yeah. It's interesting. You said that earlier and you said there's no flats here. And I was like thinking about it. And I was like, where is there a f- yeah. Like where am I riding my bike or hanging out where it's not where it's the, flat? The greenway like, at best, dude. The greenway, you know, like that wasn't commercially it. clear to be flat. Yeah. Where in your yeah. mind do you think of that? Like, like there's just parking lots. It's the only thing I think are flat. Everything else is on some kind of grade. Yeah, I mean, even when you think about more entry level opportunities like the uh, Explorer Loop and stuff in Bent Creek, is still not flat. It's pretty flat. You know, if you pedal up to like the Explorer parking area and then up a little gravel, but still, even at that, you know, it's uh, biking here just. It's just not easy. I mean, I mean, what is the climbing if you went to Ridgeline? I know it's a very short loop. You can do this loop in 45 minutes easy. It's got to be under 500 feet. I think it's 600. Is um, it? Maybe six. It's yeah. six or four. What I know. I usually on? loop a bunch of stuff in with that, Which, like Hickory and all that. I think that's the other trail out there. that I, The I no breaks. That's what we did. Actually, no breaks game. <laughs> Man, Ridgeline is a, is a fun one to try no breaks. So there's like two turns that mess me up on that. Uh, I always try to uh, no breaks. Uh, Ingles from five point that's a good one real good one trying to break on i would like to go back up to ridgeline and put a front brake on my dj yeah yeah oh it'd be great i mean because they did that reroute it is better it is safer yeah i joked about riding a skateboard down at one day when i was drunk i I mean it's pretty smooth it's pretty smooth i mean for any there's that little creek at the beginning that you'd probably have to maybe ollie or something whatever but longboard big wheels uh, yeah i mean a skateboard's a skateboard right i mean dude I've been trying to get you skateboarding. You kept on bailing on me. I want the, I want the world to know that I've been bothering Ben about skateboarding, and he hasn't gone. Dude, I went like two weeks ago. With who? Now I've got an old guy session at like seven thirty in the morning. No, you didn't. You're lying. I look yeah, in your I'm eyes. You're lying not, right now. I'm not lying at all. You're lying. I'm not lying. At all. I'm all look padded up. I'm now. wearing wrist guards, elbow pads, knee pads, helmet. No, it's, I don't even. No. I'm riding an eight point two five weekend with independent trucks. I think you're completely lying. Like completely not. But look, you see the skateboards not, right there. They're right there with the bikes. Oh, well, I'm talking skating in like the park, like skateboard. You're like actually skateboarding, skateboarding? You're too yeah. old for that. That's just concrete you're on. Got to bail. I know. I know. It reminds me. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that's that. That's why I wear all the pads. So what about longboarding? I haven't tried that. That Well, that's still skateboarding. It's just faster. This uh, gives me opportunity quick. to hit shit faster versus like from higher, mm, right? It's more cruising. Yeah. Like yeah. island life. I like cruising. I like island cruising. life. Maddie uh, takes the electric skateboard, and I ride the regular one, and she go the same speed. It's a good workout. Hell yeah! So yeah, Greenway up that one. Uh, did you? I don't know if you watch much YouTube, but uh, the Nine Club is one of my favorite channels to watch the podcast. Anyways, the skateboarding podcast and guy rode a skateboard across the country. I think I might have seen clips Maybe of that. Brutal. That's a long way across the country on it a was, skateboard. It was like a trick skateboard too, right? Um, no, it was kind of, it was, but it was kind of, it wasn't like a longboard. It was more like a bit of a cruiser board. Uh, it's just a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. It had slightly bigger wheels, kind of take out vibrations and stuff, but rode yeah. across the country. He also did 50 tricks, 50 new tricks or something in 50 days in all 50 states. The same dude did. It's pretty wild. Yeah. The guy's, the guy's a beast. Can't remember his, I, I forget his name. He wild. He's a beast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, back on topic, we kind of straight there. But uh, I'm thinking, like, I'd really like to race Oren next year. They offered us out on Mount Mitchell. It's like 60 miles. I feel like it's an endurance-style race. So it's not like you have, you're not competing with anybody but yourself. Uh, 
I think it would be interesting to do those in a group atmosphere. Yeah, well, we should. I mean, we get a little team miles, for it, get you, a different, you could do O Rim on a grapple bike. Uh, no, no. What trail would you not ride a gravel bike on? I wouldn't ride. What trail? Tell me a trail. Star Gap. Where is he? Star Gap is the bottom of Kitsuma. Not Kitsuma. Um, Heartbreak. I mean, but everything else. Most everything else. I'm wondering though. You know, they usually they usually do two laps of Kitsuma. I'm wondering if now that the Bernard Mountain Trail is open on the opposite ridge, if they're going to do one lap on Kitsuma, and then the final lap or stage will be Bernard Mountain. Kind of seems like it makes sense to not ride the same trail twice if you have a new option now with the same climb. I would probably do... Seems like it would make sense. It seems to make sense, but I only like getting timed on the downhill. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm going to do it. How do you like the idea of the fun Duros where you get timed only on the downhill at lift parks? I mean, I thought that was kind of the fa- format of the enduro, anyways. Well, I guess you well, know, on pedal up enduros, you have a yep. you, you have a, a time cut off. You know, yeah, and on, well, especially on like UCI ones. If you're if you're not at the top in a certain amount of time, then then they're going to cut you off from the race anyway. We we had more of an overall time cut off that seemed to mostly be on a sliding scale at times. Yeah, <laughs> so, always sliding yeah. scale on the race yeah. day. But. Yeah, because you never know what's going on, man. Yeah, you never do. So I would concur. All right, so. I'm trying to introduce a speed round to the end of all the podcasts. Like so, this? yeah, yeah. So, so is it one word answers or like one, one word answers? No, no editing. No editing. No, one no word editing. Answers. One I'm, word answers. I'm getting and comfortable I, I, in my chair. I'm going to tell you if you're right or wrong. With what? Your answer. Oh, you want me to know like trivia questions? No, it's just your opinion. But I'm going to tell you whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> Okay, that's interesting. You're telling me right, I'm right or wrong about my opinion. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay, that's what I'm here to do. for your that's judgment, I'm, pre-judgment. I'm, I'm, here I'm emotionally help. ready for you to be mean to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Uh, first ever episode 0000001 of Bike the Podcast with Kevin Steady Spin Grimes. Before we get into this, I want you to let people know where they can find you on Instagram and YouTube and everything else. Uh, you can find me anywhere on the internet as Steady Spin. And I have more content on Instagram on the regular. Uh, YouTube is spotty with some videos, but go check it out because I have a huge library. And don't forget to check out Ben's YouTube channel as well. Hell yeah! Um, you're 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 man. You're knocking at the door forty thousand on YouTube. Yeah, I think if I would crank on it and I would get Dak with some good ideas, I could be at forty thousand in like yeah. a couple months. I yeah. bet. Yeah, but easily just, just pump yourself back into the algorithm with some new pump. Content. Yeah, I. Really, it is. I feel like consistency is the biggest thing. And if you can only make a three-minute video, then only make a three-minute video, but make one every week. Yeah. Yeah, just upload, upload, upload. By default, if you are somebody that's persistent, you're going to be better and better every time. Yeah. So, like, you catch momentum. But then there's, like, an other layer of it where, like, you're also kind of storytelling. Yeah. So... You have to, you know, it's, it's, it's the momentum, the consistency, and having some kind of character to it. Uh, but again, I'm not in social media any, as much as I used to be, so yeah. I, don't, I don't miss it as much as I thought. Well, it's interesting that, well, now we're going into YouTube tutorial before the, uh, the speed round, but, you know, it's really interesting. You've got, like, you know, Brian, um, BKXC, that's kind of stuck with that point of view, forever ride along though. with me forever, like one of the OGs of all that stuff. Uh, you got Alex single track that 
kind of did some kind of more story stuff off and on, like especially like the episode with his dad when they were camping in the van and all that kind of stuff, um, where he got a little more story versus ride along. You've got Bobo, who's just coming up with fully scripted, storyboarded content. Seth, who comes up with like tutorials and very engaging stuff and that uh, it's a very well put together, thought out video. Like clearly that guy works at it. Um, high production. Yeah, high production. Um, and then like yourself that kind of flip-flops back and forth. I, I think I'd be really curious, you know, I don't... It's hard making even just like a point of view video. Like I'm just going to go put my, you know, my camera on my on the chin bar of my helmet and go ride something because you're always even going to crit- critique that. Like, and you've done a little bit of the more storytelling stuff off and on here and there. Do you find yourself headed that direction in, in kind of storytelling as far as like a little more scripted and a little more, um, you know, fadeaway shots and drone shots, you know, in and out and all that kind of stuff. Or are you going to stick kind of uh, more along the line of the BKXC and, and Alex style single track sampler? I would say BKXC Alex style because you're cranking them out and you're, you're kind of like life in season. So that's why that's one thing I want to like trace to you to like, I've always wanted to make skateboard content because I love longboarding, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm just not sure what I would do the longboarding about because all I'm doing is skating around. I just enjoy skating around. So yeah. how do you make that captivating? I haven't thought of an idea yet to do that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I'm more of like the experience. You know, like if I wanted to label myself, even my job, I would label my I would label myself as an experienced specialist. Yeah. So sharing an experience is very tough and that's why a lot of people make a lot of videos that don't go that are, don't take off as much because like you have to really engage and pay attention to things and set mm-hmm. a mood and an entry and like there's all these layers of it and it comes easy to some people and not easy to others yeah like uh sales comes easy to me being with a camera and the camera work and the digital and the uh you know on the computer editing doesn't come to me as easy yeah so I feel like falling into what you're calling is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of the last front, you know, kind of the last type would be like vloggy style, which when you get into a lot of like the, the slope style guys, like a lot of their stuff is, is more vlog style for sure. The way that they produce it is, you know, grab a couple of GoPros and they have mm-hmm. a buddy with a camera or whatever. And it's kind of like a day in the life of, and I kind of, I kind of find that stuff engaging because you really get to know somebody. A little more than just ripping down a trail or, you know, watching them build a bike up or, or whatever the case may be. I don't, I don't know. I feel like YouTube is a platform that's... Different demographics. You know, and it's well beat in now, but I think there's a lot of opportunity there still if you really just get after it. But I think for me on YouTube, I'm almost at a five, almost at 500 subscribers. But, you know, the weirdest thing was like talking on the camera the first time. The hardest thing, though, is posting video number one. It's very... It's like yeah. awkward. It's exposing feeling. It's like, man, nobody's going to watch this shit. Or what if a bunch of people watch it? That's equally terrifying. You know, nobody watching it is your expectation. If people actually watch it, it's wild. I had a video mm-hmm. with like six or 7,000 views. I was like, holy crap. And I had good, good click through Sometimes. everything. I was like, people actually just watch this shit. And I was like, awesome. So why do you, what do you think made that video work better than others? Oh, man, there were two, <laughs> there were two timing videos. So uh, one of them was the weekend we were at Jared's before it opened. Um, so we had that, and then um, when the new uh, middle black and upper black were middle black for sure, and maybe on upper black, but middle black for sure, uh, the day before it opened, uh, a group of us were allowed to ride it. 
And yeah. so I was like the first person to post it. And that was a yeah. lot of that, you know, and then kind of the same with upper black as well. But, you know, um, you know, striking while the iron's hot and taking the opportunities like that, you know, when you get an opportunity to ride a trail that's not open yet. Um, now in the reality people have been riding it for a couple of weeks so they could see drainage after the yeah, trail yeah. had been packed in okay. and all that kind of stuff, you know, after a tread had been worn on it, worn in on it and everything to make little edits as needed before it opened. But we had the opportunity to do that. And, uh, that was pretty cool. Like basically there when the chain dropped at the top of the trails so, <laughs> uploaded it that night and it just kind of blew up. But you know, I yeah. think it's good. I mean, so what is that? I mean, for me, I like, I think about why videos like, uh, work and don't work and like release time, the yeah. topic, it being fresh, no yeah. content. Like if you're going to be a content creator, you have to have fresh ideas. You need to be on top of things more or less. If you're going to do trail stuff, you're going to have to travel a good bit to have this new thing all the time. Yeah. But, that's the BKXC style and he travels around and it works out well and he's got forever long videos and yeah. eventually the trails are going to be different. He can go re-ride and have updated videos. Yeah. Like I'm sure he does updated re-rides. So like it is one style of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's all types of people on YouTube are looking for all types of content. And when people are passionate about doing it and this is the content they like doing, they're being themselves. I think it shines through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my best videos was a truck video. And everybody was like, I talked to is already doing it. I'm talking about everybody. Yeah. Was like, nah, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And it's still my number one video at this point because I actually cared about it. Which truck video was it? This was my truck camping video. And I made a video about truck camping. And I did. But this is the thing. In that video, I did all that stuff where I did like multiple drone shots, multiple areas. Yeah. I invested a shitload of time into it. And it kind of came together eventually. But it took a really long time for me to get there. Yeah. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah, like there are times like I bring my drone and all that shit and it just never comes out. I'm like, you know, you get caught up in like the pre-ride activity and, and hanging out and then post-ride beers or whatever. And it's like, man, I, you know, they look at those creative angles. But, you know, it, I do feel like, you know, a lot of people jump into YouTube to make a living off of it. But I think you will be more successful if you jump into it to create content that you want to watch and treat it like an art, like writing a song or a painting or anything like that. Like. Yeah. Make your channel what you want to be. And if people don't like it, fuck them. If they like it and you're successful, that's cool too. But changing your formula and straying from your artistic vision of what you want to do is kind of, I think you're selling yourself short at that point. So, so like, you know, I like variety and content and, you know, I, I latch onto a YouTube channel mostly because of people's personalities more yeah. so than what they're doing that day. Like, you know, a great example is Bobo's videos. That guy can go climb rocks or he can go play a disc golf video. I'd still watch it. You know, just, yeah, he's, just, he's you know, yeah, he's, he's a fun dude. He's nice. He's, he's stoked. Uh, you know, he's making cool content. I don't really care what he's doing in the video. You know, he Not did have the clickbaitiest video ever though. I mean, he, he <laughs> the, the, the most recent one was awesome. I watched it today. It's a uh, first backflip and you're like, what? I clicked on it going, Bobo's doing a backflip. And it was some other dude doing a backflip. It was pretty funny. Like I, <laughs> I appreciated the title. It was really good. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, he does. He's, he's a good content creator. He's uh, about to have his first kid. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty stoked. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, I mean, some kids along the way. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to have one. I mean, when's the cutoff? Is there a cutoff age when, like, as a, as like an adult, as a dude, as a man, like, should there a cutoff time when you should say, I'm not going to have kids anymore? I think, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I did stay on a Holiday Inn Express once, but I'm going to say, like, over 40, I think, is when the potential chances for complications on the male side mm-hmm. might come up. But I don't know. I might have just made that up. I think it's 
Yeah, I feel like we might last a little longer than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just aware of it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I'm How old are you? Now? Cowboy for, like I'm 38. 38. 38. Yeah. Uh, I definitely saw some white hairs popping on the side. Uh-huh. They say if you pull one white hair, two grows back. You must that's, have been that's what's wrong with my beard. <laughs> Your beard's smoky. <laughs> yeah, which is so weird. Yeah. I don't have a single gray hair on my head, but like the most of my beard is. You gray. know what? You're kind of like. You kind of, if you uh, got a little skinnier, you would look like the the uncle off of uh, Duck Dynasty. Oh, that's what I'm going What's for. What's his name, Uncle sure. Phil? Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, Uncle Phil with a sweet teacup. <laughs> that's you. You're headed that direction. No, no. I think the yeah. beard might have to come off soon, man. I'm getting tired of it. I like a groomed beard. I feel yeah, like... Uh, I want to go like it. just way shorter. Like this yeah. is... This is... The longest I had it, I used to have a, a street legal, like a dual sport uh, dirt bike. And he used to rip around on that thing and would actually part on either side of my neck and the wind would part it. And I was like, my beard's almost nipple length at that time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel I feel like short. You know what I mean? I don't know what like a three guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like Does your facial hair much. grow longer than that? No. Or does it just stop there? Tr- I mean, I'm trying. The entire, how long have you known me now? <laughs> Several Be- years. At least and five it's always years. in the same length. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I try to grow this in. I shave it off. I try to massage it. I put, yeah. I put milk on it. Warm milk is what they told me <laughs> uh, to grow it in. <laughs> Warm milk. Yeah. You know, dude, you know, uh, you know, Alex Burgess? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, so that dude telling your story, I'm telling on you. Uh oh, um, Alec. Alec, you're getting busted. 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 So he was talking about he wanted a beard. So he hit the row game. What? The beard thing, right? Yeah. This motherfucker went from having a worse facial hair than I to looking like he's a Rogaine commercial. What? Like it's full on color. Like it is what? full. Like, yeah. 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 Alex is going to love that one. It's, it's, and he's like, you should do it too. And I was like, I don't know. Cause like, there's one thing about like being not hairy. Yeah. You know, it's less maintenance, but I really do like the clean cut look. So I wish my beard would grow in thicker. They're like yeah, a little bit dude. more chops down, but yeah, you can get that little Joe dirt thing going on where it just grows in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, man, I shave mine off and my skin does not like it. It does not. It, it just never adjusts. I've had facial hair for so long. My skin's like, why are you rubbing metal across me? All right. We got completely sidetracked talking about YouTube. So you're sidetracked. Kevin Grimes, AKA sure. steady spin. Steady foam. AKA steady foam. Any other AKAs? WNC pallet. What? Yeah, I don't know about that one. (laughs) 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 Don't pull your phone out now. All right, fair enough. I won't look at that. I don't even want to see that video. (laughs) Anyways, are you ready for the first ever Bike the Podcast speed round? Okay. There are 10 questions. Answer them as organically and thoughtlessly as possible. All right, I think I'm ready. I'm, I'm not going to say them quickly. You just have to answer them quickly. The definition of quickly. <laughs> <laughs> finish, finish quickly, Kevin. Yeah. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. SRAM or Shimano? Box. Well done. Carbon or alloy? Carbon. Absolutely. 29 or mullet? Haven't had a mullet. Really? Haven't had a mullet. Huh. Looks amazing, though, I think. Yeah, I think it'd be great I, I see their purpose. The rear end. I see their purpose. My style of riding. Yeah. What I have now is twenty nine, twenty nine. It's a race bike. Yeah. Next yeah. question. Oh yeah, so good. Uh, Maxis or any other brand? Maxis all the way. They've been great. Support the long time. They have my, my DJ. All my bikes have them. We'll always run Maxis. Love you guys, Atlanta. One hundred percent Maxis guy myself. Beer or hard seltzer? Depending on the situation. 
Beer or hard seltzer? <laughs> Beer. All right. Full face or half shell? Depending on the activity. Full face or half shell? Full face. Sunglasses or goggles? Sunglasses. Gravel or road? Road. Park or backcountry? Park. Where do you get your haircut? At uh, Beauty Parade by Hair Fair. Sorry, I'm messing up your name on Instagram. If you look on my Instagram, maybe I'll let you know. But West Asheville, uh, Danielle Brindle, who's been my hairstylist and my wife's hairstylist for the last six years straight. Beauty Parade, that's a place uh, to the left of uh, Westville Pub. Pub and the brewery and everything across from UJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. That's the first ever speed round. I didn't mean to argue with you. You got most of them right. Okay, which one did I get wrong? I mean, how did I get wrong? Uh, my opinion was wrong on yeah, your, your opinion. Your opinion is clearly wrong. I mean, you, dude, you said full face and sunglasses. That's a fashion faux pas in the mountain bike world. Full face means dude, goggles. If you look back into my history, I've been doing that the whole time. I used to rock a full face at Bailey Mountain Bike Park with no visor on it just so it pissed people off and I'd look like a Joey and then I'd smash and they'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, that dude can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, dude, I look super fast when I get on the lift. Yeah, I'm in the fastest bug ever, is what they always tell me. Well, shit. Well, I think we're going to sign off here. Kevin, I appreciate you being the guinea pig. I hope all this recorded, and uh, I will send you a link. I'm going to get the intro recorded. All right, we got to get down to the house. We got to get in the house because it's still enough light for you to do one lap on the pump track and time it. You ready? Okay. Let's get out of here. Okay, peace.